Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 80 that was originally recorded on July 29th of 2015. Some of the games I played for the week, Roll for the Galaxy, Cthulhu Flux, Dragonflame, Shroud of the Avatar, Horde. I also had an interview with Patrick Leader, one of the co-designers of Trove the Crystal Caverns from Leader Games. And then I also talked about a few of the games I want to play now. Enjoy the episode. Good evening, gamers, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. My name is Joe Luzzi. We are on episode 80. Hey, as always, send us some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at whatimplayingnow. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say. On Facebook, you can just do a search on Facebook for What I'm Playing Now. We also have our Google Plus page, which is plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And then, of course, our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. So we got a quick whipping studio update. I finally got my tripod delivered from Amazon. It was back ordered for probably about the past week when I had ordered it. So that was finally d- delivered today. I was playing around with that a little bit earlier. So hopefully this weekend I will start playing around with um, actually doing some videos. So I'm not too sure how fast or how quick I will be able to get my first video review up. But that will be in the works and hopefully we will be able to get something done here shortly. So we're going to jump into the What I'm Playing Now part of the show. And after that, we will have a interview again this week. Another great interview, I have to say. So some of the games I played for the week before we get into that, though. Uh, one of the first games I actually played on my Thursday board game night group meetup was Roll for the Galaxy. This is a game I discussed several times on several different podcasts. Uh, this may be my third or fourth time playing it. I really enjoy Roll for the Galaxy. We had a pretty much table of new players playing and the gentleman who brought the game got it set up for us, kind of told everybody how to play and then he went over and played um, I think he was playing Castles of Mad King Ludwig and I was basically running the game for Roll for the Galaxy for everybody. Everybody really enjoyed it. I think actually one of the guys at the table actually purchased it that night before they left for the evening they actually enjoyed it so much so if you have never played roll for the galaxies go back to one of my earlier podcasts and you can get a complete breakdown of how the game plays i really enjoy this game i would still kind of like to try race for the galaxy especially since roll for the galaxy is based off of there i know a lot of people have told me that race for the galaxy is much harder to grasp when you're trying to learn it but um, I'd, I'd still kind of like to give it a shot and, and see actually how it plays. So one of the other games I then jumped into, I played a couple of other smaller kind of filler type games because there were a bunch of people there playing Viticulture and I looked at the one guy who brought that and kind of like told him he was stabbing me in the back since I've been waiting to play this one for weeks and have talked about this on the podcast and and he listens to the podcast so he knows but um, hopefully I'll be able to get Viticulture in soon because I think that'll be something that is going to get played a couple of more times now down there down at the game store but I was actually able to get in a game of Cthulhu Flux and I had never played any of the Flux games actually this was my first actual attempt at a flux game and i will say that well the rules are quite simple you basically have a hand of cards you read the cards and you play the cards and that is pretty pretty much about it the cards kind of make the rules the cards pretty much do everything for you and it is a silly little filler type game but we had a good time with it i think there were three or four of us playing we had knocked out a game pretty quick uh because i think i I think I had played an action card. I can't remember what they were actually called. That basically required everybody to play their whole hand. So everybody was drawing cards and playing their whole hand immediately. So there were just cards ended up on the table in mass quantities very quickly. And before we knew it, everybody was out of the game and the game won. Uh, But then a little later on in the evening while I was playing another game, there was, uh, I think, a six to eight player, I think a six player game of Cthulhu Flux going at another table. A couple of the guys that I had played it with had started another game with a whole whole other group of people. And I was that was one of the first times I've really seen Flux played that much down at my game group. I was I was kind of surprised. Uh, it, it is it's an easy game. It's a very filler type game. And we I think the game store that I go to actually has quite a few copies in their collection that you can actually play when you're down there. And I was kind of glad that Cthulhu was picked because I do like the HP Lovecraft theme of Cthulhu, so I was was happy that that was the one that I was introduced to as far as the Flux universe goes. The other game that I actually had a chance to play last Thursday, a little game called Dragonflame. Now, this was an interesting game. It's a card game that I guess you can say is kind of like area control 
because on your turn, what you're trying to do is you're going to be dealt a hand of cards, and then you're going to play these cards based on what number you are in the game. So we had five players, so one player had player one, two, et cetera, et cetera. And based on the player number that you have, you will play then some of your cards face up and then some of your cards face down across these different castles, I think that they were called, on the board. At the end of the round, once everybody's played their cards, everybody will pick up one of those castles along with all the cards that are under it. And the first two will have the least amount of cards on there. And then three through six will have, I think they had the infinity symbol on them so they can have as many cards on there as players would put on there. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to basically collect different items in the game and match them up and have as many points at the end of the game as possible as well as if you get a dragon flame you get to place one of your dragon flames on a board for kind of like area control and you can get more victory points that way it was a cool little game with five people it was it was really fun i'll have to say i I really enjoyed that so that may actually be one that will be adding to my collection here sometime soon I, I thought it was a i thought it was a pretty cool game the art on the cards was was really neat and just the whole aspect of the, the the player round changing every turn as far as who goes first, second, third, fourth, etc. Because whichever card you pick up and whichever amount of cards you pick up, and you really have to watch because pe- pe- people are playing some cards face up, some people are playing cards face down, so you might not necessarily know what you're picking up, and there are things that can subtract from your score as well as add to your score. So it's a game of just trying to kind of bluff your opponents and maybe lead lead with something good on one of the in one of the rows or one of the columns, and then maybe kind of end up playing a face down card that'll negate them and give them a negative of some sort. So if you've never seen Dragonflame, check it out on Board Game Geek. It's pretty cool, and I really liked it. And then of course I got in quite a bit of Shroud of the Avatar this past week. I was able to get up to level 49, I think, earlier today. I think the big wipe is going to be tomorrow, so I will probably not be playing much more tonight because I don't think I'll be able to squeak out 50 like I was kind of hoping to, but I did get my my adventuring level and my production level up somewhat. My production level, I think, is only around 22, 23 or so, so that's definitely not as as high as my adventuring level, but at least after the wipe tomorrow, when the servers go live, I will be getting double XP up to those levels, which I was pretty happy about. I'm really looking forward to some of the actual combat changes that they're actually bringing into the game tomorrow. I was reading through some of the some of the notes that they had actually posted earlier today, I think it was. I haven't finished reading those, so I think I'm also going to be upping my pledge level here probably in the next couple of days, so I will actually have a house that I will be able to zone back to and maybe start building up in and seeing how I can decorate and everything, so kind of looking forward to that as well, but still having a heck of a good time with Shroud of the Avatar, and like I had mentioned before, the guild that I had joined, the Britannian Mining Company, is a great guild, a lot of great people. They have taught me a lot of things. I probably learned more hanging out with this group in the past week than I did probably the past month or month and a half that I had actually been playing the game. So it was a tip of the hat to them. They're a great guild. I'm glad to be a part of them now, and I really can't wait to get into the game again after tomorrow and start leveling up my character again. All right, and one of the last games we played for the week, my wife and I actually got in a few games of Horde on the PS3. I've talked about this game before. It's a little dragon game where you're basically going through and breathing fire on various buildings and trying to just collect gold and build your Horde up and build your dragon up to um, have different types of abilities and stats. It's an it's a nice little game on the PS3. It was one of the free games I think I got with PS Plus. For some reason, my wife really enjoys this game, so whenever we have like 10-15 minutes of downtime, we'll usually knock out a game or two real quick. That is about it for what I played for the week. We're going to jump into the interview now. I have an interview with Patrick Leader. He is one of the co-designers of Trove the Crystal Caverns, so this game is actually being published by Leader Games, so let's jump into the interview now. Hey everybody, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I am back with another interview. I have with me today, I have Patrick Leader with me, and he is the designer, or the co-designer, I guess I should say, of Trove the Crystal Caverns. Hey, Patrick, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So you guys got a hold of me, and it sounds like I was look, reading about your game on um, Board Game Geek, and it yeah. looks very interesting. But before we jump into the game and before we get to start talking about that, of course, I have to take all of my interviews through the little path of what you're playing now. Sure. So what's what's some of the games that have been hitting the table for you guys beside, beside your own game? Besides my own game, yeah, because that, that's the majority of it. Because uh, I was going to say, I'm so sure I, that's what you're playing a lot. Yeah, yeah. I've been really bad lately, and I, um, I stopped 
playing other people's games while I was working on Trove a little bit. So there, there has been some other games, but I've been really focused on doing that. Uh, so for role-playing, I've been playing... Um, a friend of mine is running a game kind of in a steampunk setting of his own design. And he played a lot of Banner Saga, and I think this game is based off of Banner Saga, okay. um, the video game. So we're, we're basically we're deserters from, a, uh, from our military that betrayed us, and we're trying to lead a bunch of refugees across a, a wasteland in the game. Um, it's a really, really nice, detailed, crunchy uh, tactical combat system. And then the rest of the game, he just glosses over mechanics, and we just talk, and it's been a lot of fun. So, um, I've also uh, been running Vampire the Mask, or I'm sorry, Vampire the Requiem, which was nice. a bit of a throwback for us. Uh, we just wanted to see how the new system was, so we, we've been giving that a try. And then um, when I'm not running that, I've been running um, 13th Age, which I've been, um, which is a, of course, a derivative of um, like D and D third edition and fourth edition. So it's, and that's been a lot of fun. I really like that game. Uh, for board games, I've been playing Trove, obviously, which I can't discuss. Um, <laughs> I have been playing... Jeez, what have I been playing? I've been playing a bit of Zombicide, Elder Tor, just when I want like kind of brain candy to play instead of uh, focusing on design. And uh, a few other card games, like Love Letter, but not too much. Nothing too deep. So, I actually, uh, and then for, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I actually backed the latest Zombicide, and I have not played any of them. Sure. But the new, the the latest one that was on Kickstarter looked rather interesting, especially once I showed the video to my wife, and she was like, she goes, that actually does look kind of cool. It kind of fit, kind of like the theme we, the two of us normally like playing games together. Right. So when when she saw that, she goes, that does look kind of cool. I go, ooh, sweet, I got her hooked. I, I should, <laughs> this should be an easy sell for. Let's back this. <laughs> and she this gave me the end. thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was, we've been a little stretched lately, so I uh, I didn't. Back, I ended up not backing that one, but a friend of mine did, so I'll still get to play it when it comes out. Um, and then for uh, video games, I've been playing. Um, there's a forex game called um, Endless Legend, which is a yes. uh, which is like a Civ-like game in a fantasy world. So, and I've been really enjoying that. I've heard of that one. I have not played that one myself. I've been playing quite a bit of Shroud of the Avatar, which is kind mm-hmm. of like the predecessor, or not the predecessor, the, yeah, the predecessor to um, Ultima Online. Oh, sure. So that's been cool. that's the one that Lord British and stuff is working on right now. And for it being in pre-alpha, it's actually not that bad. I'm actually kind of enjoying it. I mean, it's I kind of like where the devs are going with it, and I've been wanting to get my feet into another MMO recently because I've been in between them for quite a while now. I mean, I think the last big one that I had played was like Elder Scrolls Online, probably sure, well over sure. a year ago. Even though it just came out on the consoles, I played it back on the PC, and a bunch of bunch of my friends that I played Dice Master and stuff with, they were like, "We're playing Elder Scrolls," and I was like, "I already have a level fifty character on my PC, and I'm not doing that again." Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, I go, who wants to do that again? Yeah, yeah I was like, sure. I go if they fi- if they made their servers cross compatible, I'd be with you guys in a second. But you know what? I'm not doing that level fifty grind again, even though if the game's better, just not going there. <laughs> sure. Sure. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah, and then we we have a board game night, so I've just been playing whatever you know comes along there. So it's been good. Cool. <clears throat> Sounds like you have been playing some very good things recently. Yeah. So I have to go ahead. I have to avoid the MMOs. I have a family now, so I. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that no, ship has sailed for me. <laughs> you know this. The first, the first one I played was probably 15 years ago, and that was Ashron's Call. And right. I, that one, I like, I was dating my wife at the time, and I like <laughs> dove so head deep into that one. She even started playing, and she really wasn't a gamer before that. But I mean, I'd sure. wake up some mornings, and she'd be upstairs, and I'd hear, I'd hear her in a dungeon and everything. I'm like, okay, well, she's kind of hooked on that, I'd say. But um, over the years, I find myself not going too, too crazy for them as much as I did, you know, 15 years ago. I just just because I, I've done so many of them over the years, and just because I try to not spend all my time with just one game, because <laughs> right, it's yeah, so yeah. it's it's so easy to do with those. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was I was a pretty bad raider for, with WoW for a while, so I'm, those are, those days are gone. <laughs> yes, yes. There's there's actually some guys I work with who are just getting back into WoW again, probably for the fourth or fifth time. I think. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> and the one just All got right. married. The one just got married, and I was like, "Really?" I was like, "You're getting back into WoW now?" <laughs> oh no! So. so all right, yeah. let's talk. Let's talk a little about you and 
um, what you and Dave are doing. Sure. As far as games that you guys have created, it's I think Trove may be your second game, if I've uh, done, done a little bit of research right. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I, I have uh, two or three print and plays on Board Game Geek. I'm trying to think of two. Convocation and Route Z. Uh, okay. Route Z I designed for a contest in 2009. Um, it was supposed to be a like a semi-cooperative uh, board game with certain design elements to it, and I um, I put that out there. Um, it was kind of like um, Zombicide meets, of course, Zombicide wasn't out yet, um, meets um, Thunder Road. Do you remember the game from the 80s where you were driving the cars along the road and, yes. and, and sh shooting each other? Yeah, it was, a, it was a little bit of that. So, um, and that did pretty well. Um, and uh, after that, I released Five Fingered Severance um, from Minion Games. Um, and uh, James Matthew helped me with um, publishing that, and we got that out there. And I, I took that time. I said to him that like he could take care of a lot of the publishing details, but I'd like to be involved in taking care of that to learn the sort of learn the process and and how to sell games and things like that. Um, and then uh, yeah, so then when I got married, um, we were work. I started working on a game called Trick or Treat, which was supposed to be like kind of a something to give away to people that came into the wedding. And the game ended up being too expensive to print, like on that scale. It could have mm -hmm. been like 16 bucks for a hundred yes, would have been just, you know, pretty bad. So um, I ended up just giving a few away at the wedding, but a lot of people, we ended up playing, there was probably like eight tables of people playing it at the wedding. And a lot of people were like, you need to publish this. This is great. We really like this. My wedding was um, right around Halloween. So that's that's why I went with the trick-or-treat theme. Cool. Uh, so I went ahead and did a Kickstarter for that and got the funding. Um, didn't shoot very high. I think I, I think my goal is $3,000. Uh, so I ended up spending a little bit of my own money to supplement the, the, the printing cost. And uh, I've been selling those ever since. And um, so, you know. Buy, buy a trick or treat <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> and uh, you can get them. You can get them from my website or Amazon. And um, so my ba my uh, my child Alice was born in May of I better know this May of um, 2000. Man, I like freezing up here. 2013, and uh, so we kind of got you know I mean you know how it goes with new parents you get mm -hmm. you get. Uh, get kind of dragged into that not dragged but that's the wrong word but you love <laughs> to do it but it does take a uh, helping an infant takes a lot of time Definitely. um and she's she slept really poorly the first year so we um uh, i didn't really i was designing games but I, I wasn't getting a lot done um and then i started working on a game it was a tile laying game where you would set up the dungeon you would set up a dungeon with tiles and you would put pawns out onto the rooms that were as they filled in and those pawns then would be your monsters in the dungeon, and you would score points every scoring interval for um, the monsters you had in play still. And then on the other turns, though, then you could send your adventure in to kill the other players' monsters to try and reduce their score and to get some of their treasure. And uh, I, I was working with somebody on doing the art for that, and we were having a, a bit of a disagreement, so I went looking for other people that were working on tile laying games just to see what else had been done. Mm -hmm. And that's when I ran into Trout uh, as a work in progress um, on BGG. Loved it. Immediately, I, I looked at it. I, I saw the rules. I downloaded the rules. I read the rules. I looked at the pieces. I thought it, I thought it was he was doing a really great thing. Um, a couple days after I found it, I made him an offer on it. Um, he tried to shop around a little bit more and then eventually came back to me and said, yeah, let's do this. Let's publish this game. Cool. Um, yeah, so uh, and I've been working on it ever since. We kind of inked a deal back in December. We were shooting for May, um, but we there was some there was some problems I had to take care of in, in real life, so um, we had, that slowed us down a little bit. And now we're shooting for mid-August. Um, we basically just need someone to do the voiceover for our video, and we'll be ready to put the Kickstarter up. Awesome! That's that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah. So, and I uh, I took his design. Um, it was his first game, so there was um, he preferred to balance things differently than I did, and uh, so I've been reworking it, and rebalancing it. If you played Small World, you'll be pretty familiar with how the um, not how the combat works, but sort of the pace of like I know I can win fights by by committing this many pieces, and so you have to decide if that's what you want to do or not. <clears throat> 
Now, how did you guys come up, or did he come up with the idea of basically splitting up all the different roles for like, for like the dungeon, for like the dungeon crawler like this? I mean, the way you have like the knight, the way you have like the, you know, the goblins, the dragon, you know, the dungeon itself. Right. I mean, that that's really. I thought that was really unique, and I thought that was really kind of like a really good idea. Yeah, that's a. Um, yes, he he thought of that, and I, and I think that was the. the the best part of what he contributed to the project was that, and that's what I saw right away was that these, these people were all playing differently and, and playing very different games with each other, but still interacting with each other at the same time. And um, that's why I just, that's why I wanted to pursue it. So, cause normally in a dungeon crawler, everybody's a character in a party or you're one character exploring the dungeon and, but you're all kind of on equal footing. You all play a little bit differently because someone's a wizard and someone's a fighter and someone's a thief, but in the end, you're still kind of doing the same things. You're killing monsters and getting loot and moving forward. And so I think he, I think he had a great idea with taking sort of the narrative of the of exploring the dungeon and stretching it out over the four roles um, that way. Uh, Duality, the reviewers did a, um, they did like a preview of the game, and I, I like their comment that it also provides um, the person that owns the game is probably going to be the guy that DMs for the group when they role play and things like that. And so. The cave is kind of like playing the DM because they have to kind of balance all the all the parts of the game against each other mm-hmm. to make it challenging, and I, I really agree with that assessment. And I think that's what I like about it is the is that cave can really do a lot to balance the game, and I think that's um, I think that's working really well. So uh, really been enjoying that. Uh, yeah. So he came up with that idea. I think he said that um, he came up with the idea for making the game. He was telling a story to his daughter about killing a dragon. Um, and then they kind of worked on it from there. It actually has gone through a couple different forms. Um, I think at one point it was kind of like a Indiana Jones style character instead of a knight exploring a like a lost temple. Um, and then it, it it slowly evolved back into a fantasy game, which I, I think it's it's phenomenal. I think that the like we can hit these archetypes really well to make the player feel familiar, but at the same time playing the cave. Is such a different experience that I think it'll it'll draw people in and, and they'll really enjoy that part of it. <clears throat> yeah, I think in, I think in a normal role playing game, you know, kind of like what you said, you know, you're normally going to have like a fighter, a thief, you know, a wizard or a you know a healer or something, and they're all different archetypes and they're all going to play a little bit differently, but the main mechanics behind them are probably all going to be pretty much the same. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. gonna have a little bit different armor. Everybody's gonna have a little, little bit different weapon. You know, you possibly rolling a different die for, you know, what you're doing and stuff. But kind of like the the base mechanic of what you're doing is probably all gonna be really similar. This game, you know, just from reading about it and watching the video that was on Board Game Geek that I saw, you know, it seems like, like what you were saying, everybody's almost has kind of like a really different mechanic that they're dealing with. So you know, there's gonna be a lot of replayability. You know, just from playing right. all of the different. You know, you know, the four different characters, you know, well, I guess we could say characters in quotes, you know, roles. you know, the four we different call them roles. Yeah, the four mm-hmm. different roles, you know, that you have within the game. I mean, but how, how difficult was it to balance all four of those different roles? <laughs> I mean, because I was sitting there watching the video and I was just like, you know, like what you were saying, like with the cave and everything. I was like, how do they balance this thing? I go, that had that could not have been easy to do. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Um, so I. Another thing that attracted me to the game was the um, the loyalty of the community that David had already built around him, that there was people making their own sets and playing it. So I think he was getting a lot of data back from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I have been getting some data back from them too, and that's been very helpful. Um, but really, we um, I had a prototype going as early as January of my own design, and I sat down with it and started playing it. I played probably 10 to 20 games um, just two-sided night versus goblin by myself in my basement, um, you know, at night after everyone went to bed until I got that kind of working pretty well. And then I started adding the other roles back in. I never played solo with all the roles, but um, I did some of that. Um, so I added the roles back in. I did a lot of play testing and it was really frustrating because every time we changed one thing, there was, I could not believe, I wish I had documented some of them, but like every time <laughs> I changed something, it would ripple into other roles in ways you didn't think that were possible. Mm-hmm. And um, so I stopped and I, I was talking to my friend Michael about it after one game and, and there was three sort of problems we'd identified with the game that needed to be fixed. And at one point he said, we can't balance this game because 
you have these other two issues to work on, and if you fix balance and then fix those issues, you're just going to have to rebalance it because fixing those issues is going to is going to throw the balance out of whack. So we said for a month, the game's not balanced. People are going to cry. It's unfair, and that's fine. But what we needed to do was we needed to get the turns going really fast so everyone was engaged with the game all the time when we were playing. And we needed to get the we needed to make the mechanics of the game transparent enough that if you played it more than once, you could look at it someone else and decide what they were probably going to do on their turn, and 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 start thinking about what the other players were doing on their turn. Because when we first got it, it was some of the some players' turns were so opaque, it was impossible to, to like to even like have an opinion about what you should do on your turn because you didn't know what the other players could even do. Um, so we worked on that a lot, and then um, as that as that came down, it suddenly got much easier to balance. So we could understand how all the pieces were working between the roles and uh, what needed to change and what didn't. Even then, though, I'd make a small change and something wacky would happen in another part of the turn. And uh, we decided to we decided to bear with it. I had um, I meet every week to uh, to play board games on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and I basically just been playing Trove for um, months. And I also meet with one group on Saturdays to role play, and we've been playing Trove for months. <laughs> so, and Sounds really like you've got a couple of good groups there, then. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. Especially for someone in their forties, I'm, I, uh, I really appreciate that I have two solid uh, groups to play test with. I've also done. I've just run down to the local game store and played a few games there, um, and I've arranged other nights, or I play on Sunday if I can get some people over, or anything like that. And then uh, about May, we were like, okay. I keep promising the uh, the group on BDG that I'm going to put this back out there, uh, and I haven't been doing it because every time I get to a point where I'm like, okay, oh, no, I want to change this. I want to change this. I want to get this working better. And I finally said, okay, enough. I just have to cut this off and, um, and provide them with a copy and get feedback from them. And so I've been trying to change it as little as possible. I haven't changed any mechanics. Maybe I'll change cards since that's happened based on player feedback. Um, and then after the Kickstarter, we'll go ahead and do another round of mechanic. Um, we'll do one more round of mechanic testing and then call it call it a day if we're ready. So, yeah, but it's been it's been really a long haul. <laughs> I, I can imagine. Now on Board Game Geek, it I think on there I think you had mentioned in one of the posts that you guys had to kind of start a prototype. I think back in 2014. Uh, yeah, he was playing it as early as the summer of uh, 2014. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, yeah, I I had my first game. Um, it took me a frustrating amount of time to get a prototype built because of the holidays. Um, I think we started talking about uh, about this in November, and then he finally like he agreed completely, uh, like committed to the idea in December. And so then I was like trying to build a prototype and get the game played. Once I did have a prototype, I think I played it five times in seventy two hours. So, like, I kept bringing people over. I'd be like, you got to come over and play this. And we would play it. <laughs> and horrible things would happen to us. And then, but we still, we would just be laughing and we loved it. So, um, yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. <clears throat> yeah, that's, and that's, that's what makes a good game. I mean, yeah. some, of the, some of the games out there, they don't have to be the prettiest. They don't have to be the biggest. They don't have to have the, the best looking components. As long as it can bring a group of people together and you can just have a good time together with some friends and stuff like that, that's, yeah. To me, those are the best games. And yeah. That's, that's what I definitely like to look forward to in a game. So that's if if the game you guys are putting out can deliver that, it's it, I can it's it's going to be good. Yeah. You guys, you guys should definitely have a hit on your hands then. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how, I, I, yeah. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's fine. <clears throat> I was going to say, how different does the game play when you're playing like between like two or four people? I oh, mean, when, sure. When you don't have like the all of the roles filled. Yeah, so let me explain the roles for the listeners who haven't don't know anything yet. Um, so the the first player is typically the knight, and the knight um, is in. It has to be the knight. The knight has to be in the game right now. We're we've been experimenting with ways to to not have that be true, but but for now the knight has to be in the game because she really drives the game. Uh, so the knight is basically kind of a action point allowance system where she gets cubes she can spend on her abilities, and then that that allows her to explore the the cave in different ways during her turn. Um, after that, there's the goblins who attack, who who win the game by killing the knight. And uh, they kind of play a push-your-luck game where they get reinforcements every turn by drawing cards from a deck 
until they've decided that they've had enough. But there's disasters in the deck also. So if they draw too much, they might they might end up crippling themselves for the turn. Um, and then there's if there's a third player, they typically play as a dragon. We do have a variant where they can play as the cave instead. Uh, and they, so the dragon is kind of um, they get cards from a deck and they can spend those cards on their powers that they have listed on their sheet. The dragon, he's trying to escape the cave uh, by waking up completely and then uh, breaking through a crystal, which is one of the tiles in the cave, and moving out of the cave. And then the last player is typically the cave. We Once again, we have a variant that can be different. Um, and the cave is just controlling how the cave grows, so how the tiles are placed and when the tiles are placed um, and what events affect the night. And they, can, they have other powers to kind of balance the game. Um, so... <clears throat> I, I will uh, say one. I will say one thing. I like how the dragon moves. From what I read, because I did read through the rules, right. and I kind of like how you guys have the dragon, because it, it's really it, it's really hard to depict it on just a you know a two D board. But the way you have the right. dragon on the board with the characters, you know, like the knights, but he's basically essentially underneath the characters in the pit, looking for the way out. I thought that was really cool when I was reading through yeah, the yeah. rules. Yeah, yeah, I like I like that a lot too. That's uh, that was kind of a, a feature he added. Uh, Shortly before it got turned over, and I, I was like, yeah, we've experimented without it, but it, it just isn't the same. So we, uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna do that, or we're gonna leave that in. Um, so anyway, so if it's the knight versus, uh, in a two-player game, it's the knight versus the goblins. Um, the dragon is asleep underneath one of the crystals, which is a type of um, tile on the board, and so the knight um, has to run around the board, smashing crystals open to find the sleeping dragon. And if she does that, then she kills the dragon and then just has to exit the cave. Um, in a three-player game, then the dragon becomes a player. And so then um, there's the, there's a uh, sort of rock, paper, scissors between them. The, dra the goblins will pursue the knight. The knight will pursue the dragon. And the dragon doesn't necessarily have to pursue the goblins, but he wakes up faster the more goblins he eats. So he will be pursuing the goblins to, to wake up. So. <laughs> Because um, he has a, he has this hunger gauge that it gets reduced every time he eats goblins, um, so that's that's kind of how that works. If we have played a few games where it's the goblins and the knight and the cave, and um, so that's it, it plays a little differently, but it works it works fairly well. I actually think it works better than two player right now, and I need to fix. I think we need to circle back and fix two player, and then of course four player has all the rules in it. Um, there are also, uh, I don't think, like a lot of people, we've been talking about it, and I think a lot of people say no um, for, for this, this time out with the Kickstarter, but we have been talking about, uh, there's some fifth rolls that will be added to the game uh, later on down the ro road, and um, so I haven't played, I, in my own group, I haven't played testing those. When we have five players over, I bring one of the fifth, the fifth rolls out. So. That was that was one of my next questions I was going to ask. What okay. type of expansions do you guys have planned for the game? <laughs> yeah, jumped ahead on me, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you, uh, you got me. Uh, so I um, yeah, I I've been planning this expansion called the Three Fates, and uh, or the Four Fates or whatever we end up with, and so there'll be it'll introduce this mechanic to the game where everybody has a fate score, and if you are the worst off, if your fate is the worst of all the of all the base four rolls then your victory condition gets slightly harder. Uh, and you have to go a little bit further than the other players. And so then the other the other roles then will manipulate fate as they get added to the game in their own way uh, to kind of get the players to do what they want them to do, uh, the base four players to get them to do what they want to do. I might I might toss it out and just have the I have a model of each role, each fifth and sixth role with and without the fate system. So I might still toss it out before the end, but for now that's kind of that's kind of where I've been working with it. Um, and then, yeah, we've just been, yeah, I would like to do, um, an expansion initially with, it would just have, uh, either like each pack would just have one new roll in it and it'd be very cheap or we'd do one, one box set with like three or four fifth or sixth player rolls. And then on top of that, then we would like to rewrite the, the base rolls so that if you wanted to have a game, for instance, that was, um, Knight, Goblin, Thief, you could do that without, without, uh, too much trouble so um and then you don't have to have five or six players to play with the new roles you can you can kind of mix and match as you want um and then i have been working on um like a complete follow-up that would have a new hero a new horde of enemies like the goblins except they'll, they'll play differently a new monster that's being hunted and a new setting so <clears throat> 
and then well, it sounds, it sounds hopefully, like you have a, lot, a lot ready for everybody then yeah yeah <laughs> and uh the 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 hope is is that they will be balanced with each other so if you wanted to you could swap like you could have a a, a basic trove game with the paladin instead of the knight and vice versa Mm-mm. but that will be a lot more testing <laughs> <laughs> and a little, a little further down the road <laughs> yeah probably Mm-mm. we'll see how we do first Mm-mm. so in gaming it sounds like you've been doing this for a little while are there any other are there any big influences or kind of like mentors or anything you kind of have like designer wise or anything that you kind of look up to or think that you maybe emulate or anything like that oh sure i don't know about emulate <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, I used to have a big. Um, I used to really be obsessed about Friedman Freeze. Okay. I um, I have probably all of his games published before a certain year. Um, I just stopped buying games after a while because I have three hundred in my basement and it's it was time <laughs> to stop to slow down a little bit. Uh, but I, I really like him. I'm really looking to, uh, forward to his next title, which is Five Hundred Four. Have you? Have you heard? Yes. You should go read up on that. Yeah, I have. That's... I have heard about that, and that does sound very interesting. And everybody's like, "How did he pull this off?" Because it sounds like he has, and everybody's right. like, I, "I need to see this because I need to see how he actually did this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, um, I, I've read his articles about it, and he's he said he was playtesting ten different variants of the game a day, uh, or just playing through. I don't, you know, I, I don't know how much like tuning you can do from each play, but. Um, and I, I, I'm just really impressed with that. I was explaining it to a friend of mine, and they said, that sounds like a game for game designers to play. I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. probably. <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I would agree with that. And for, and, so, and, and, and for those listeners out there who may not be familiar with it, 504 <laughs> is basically a game that's coming out. I don't know when it, when I had first heard about it but, it, but it's basically a game that has like 504 variants kind of like right. within the game itself. So it's just a game where you can pick multiple components, put them together, and they and they work. They all function together. All the different components work together. It's been all tested. I mean, so. Yeah, yeah. I, from my understanding, you pick like a core mechanic, right? And then you pick like a, a secondary mechanic, and somehow they mix together to work, um, which is just really, really fascinating to me. I like to see how that that's gonna that's gonna come out. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was, when I first when I first heard about that too, I was like, "That sounds crazy," and I will definitely need to get my hands on that. Right, <laughs> right. But I, I don't think I design like him at all. I I think Friedman has this. Um, I think his early games have this uh, fantastic elegance to them, like that. Like like if you play Power Grid and you once you've played Power Grid, we used to play Power Grid weekly, mm-hmm. and once you've spent enough times, there's this like. You, and you get really deep into the bidding system and everybody's involved in the bidding system. Um, I, the game works so well, and I, um, it's just amazing to me. I, I still really like going back and playing that game. Um, and then um, he had a game called Fearsome Floors, which was pretty uh, cheesy, but I really like it, where <laughs> it's about these kids running across a haunted house, and there's a monster chasing them that's eating them, and the monster kind of has program movement, so there's like a lot of... like. If you play here, the monster will come towards you and eat another player. And 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 I I just I just adore that game. I, I can play it a lot. Um, his game Fish Trader, Fish Floop, and Frickadellen, um, which never made it to the U.S., so I have an imported version of it. Um, it's just about trading um, things on this island for money, and then for more things, and eventually you can trade the things for fetishes. Everything starts with an F in the game because that's his trademark. Um, and I, I've played quite a bit of that. And what I really like about it, um, beyond that it's fun, is um, my mom really gets it really well. And I don't play a lot of games with my mom, and she'll, she's just a shark at it. We'll play it, and she just like, it, she goes, she'll just destroy you. And I, I love that. I like playing that for my mom, then to see that side of her. Um, that's, that's a lot of That so, sounds awesome. Um, she, she's also a very good Zuloretta player. Um, <laughs> I do. I do really try very hard. I'm active on Twitter, and I'm active um, with a couple designers. Um, so sort of cohort of designers that uh, Five Finger Sevens was released with from Minion Games. Um, two, two of the people in it, Brandon Tibbetts and um, Dan Manfundini, um, I still talk to daily or weekly. Uh, and we, we share, you know, we talk about design all the time with each other. And so it, I think they're 
very influential on my design. I don't. I think Dan has a really firm grasp on how to design a very solid trading euro, and I definitely don't design that way. But at the same time, he's really good at saying, "Yeah, you don't need this mechanic anymore. Take this out. You're being. It's too complicated, and so on." So, and uh, Brandon Tibbetts has a really good grasp on like kind of the math and also kind of a um, the euro uh, style design and. Um, I've been giving, consulting him a lot on, on some design he's working on right now. So, um, cool. so that's been good. He designed the Manhattan Project, which is pretty popular in BGG right now. Um, so, and we, and he's designing the follow-up to it right now, which is I, I think it'll be pretty cool when it comes out. So, um, that, yeah, that, I is, can't a, that is a good a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. <laughs> I think like I'd hate to I'd hate to say it, but I think like Steve Jackson has been really influential on me too because. Um, just because I started gaming so early, and so like Steve Jackson was one of the few designers out at the time. I've played a load of Car Wars, and I've played a lot of Ogre, and back back in the day. And uh, so I think, like, they're not they're not good games by today's standards. I mean, they're good games, but but we've we've trimmed the fat in our game design. And I think, um, but I still like I still like the the asymmetry of Ogre and the you know just the all-out combat of car wars and things like that so anyway. i actually actually a couple of weeks ago i was trying to see if i can get people down at my local game store to start maybe playing just a monthly car wars type of league sure I, I wanted to get back into it especially with classic edition just being released right i was just like i go let me i talked to the owner of the store and i would let me post on the facebook facebook page see if i can get anybody i, I didn't get anybody to bite i was really disappointed oh, i even i even had gone out to the to the Steve Jackson, their forums and posted on there, you know, like I was going to try to start this in Northeast Ohio. And I had a bunch of people jump right in really great forum that they have there. A lot of people trying to give me tips on how to basically run the league, how to start it up and everything like that. So I was, mm -hmm. I was set to go. I just need some players to find around here that would, and I probably just need to post it a couple more times and maybe just have right. the owner put something up maybe in the store. Um, but just by hitting their Facebook page and going up to the forums and everything, I just couldn't drum up anything to where to where we could get going on a monthly basis. Because I was like, I go, even if we just met once a month, I think that'd be really cool just to kind of revisit some of those those that old nostalgia. Right. <laughs> right. I um. I I read a post recently. Someone playtesting the the new sixth edition that they're planning for Kickstarter in in a year or so. Uh, it sounds like they're still pretty far away. It sounds very different. And very, um, I'm pretty excited about it. Like it, it sounds like you just spend build points to design a car quickly instead of worrying about cost and weight, and then you just you just start dueling. So there's a ton of. Uh, it sounds like you can design your car like before the session starts, like as you yeah. arrive, instead of have it pre-planned out. Um, so that sounds really appealing. I think I'll be able to get people back into it with that sort of system. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. I think what they're trying to do because I'm actually I actually threw 25 bucks at Ogre. Um, oh sure. Be because I wanted to be in the forums for the Car Wars, so I'm like in their developer right. forums for that. And some of the stuff that they've been talking about, it sounds like they're trying. They, I don't want to say they want to go for a more mass market game, but it sounds like they do want to make the game a lot more approachable, and maybe to a little bit wider audience than the die-hard, you know, core Car Wars player that they that they've had for all the years. I mean, so I'm I'm really interested to see where they actually take that. And then, if I can still piggyback on the um, influences question, sure. Um, I actually, I he's a German designer, uh, Shady Torby, Shady Torby. Uh, he designed Onrim in the Onerverse. Okay. Um, which is a one or two player game. Uh, it's you play it two player cooperatively, or you play it one player by yourself. Uh, it's this real simple, very elegant card game um, in which you are trying to escape a maze in your dreams. Um, and I just adore the game. I love playing it by myself. I love playing it with my wife. Um, there's, there's this. Um, I think, I think later we'll look back at it and say it was kind of the beginning of what I call naturalism in game design. Um, and they'll probably call it something else by then. But there is like every card has the value of every card is the card that you've played. Um, you don't have to go look it up. It doesn't represent anything else. It's just that card. And um, it's so elegant because of that, and I just love. I wish I could design that way, um, and I just so I just love that game. Um, there's three others in the series. Um, they're not all equally as good, but they're all pretty interesting. And I like them a lot. <clears throat> I think I've seen that card game. 
played down at the local yeah. game store before, but I don't think I, I think I was in the middle of something else to where I couldn't play it. And that, that happened so many times. Sure. Like the, the other night I was down at the game store and I was playing um, Roll for the Galaxy. And I played that several times where I talked about it on the podcast. And one guy walks in and he pulls out Viticulture. And I've talked about on the podcast, Viticulture's on my one, what I want to play now list. And he pulled that out, and sure. I just looked at him, and I said, you are just sticking the knife right in my back by pulling that out in front of me. <laughs> he goes, we'll play it again. And I was like, you better bring that next week. <laughs> Cause I, I like was... Viticulture. I, I, that's one of the games. That's one of the few games I've played since, since December. <clears throat> that has been on my want-to-play list now for a while, and I just either nobody's had it, or I am in the middle of another game and somebody pulls it out and you know I can't get into the game and I was and I didn't want to leave the group I was playing Roll for the Galaxy because even though it was somebody else's game, the guy who brought right. Roll for the Galaxy, he kind of went off and played something else. So I was kind of like running the Roll for the Galaxy game because I was the only other person who who had played it because everybody else at the table was new. So I was kind of teaching them and everything. And I was I I just I, sat, I but I I just kind of sat there glancing at Viticulture every now and then just like. Oh, I want to be at that table. <laughs> sure. I think uh, I think things like Agricola are tighter than Viticulture, but I still think Viticulture is a pretty a pretty fun game. Um, it's it pulls off something I tried to do with Severance, and you know I'm not going to dare compare Severance to Viticulture, but um, where the cards you can do things you want to do on the board, or you can play cards to do the things you want to do, mm-hmm. and the cards are a little bit more efficient but there may not necessarily be what you want them to do since you're just drawing them out of the deck and you have to kind of learn to, to balance those two. Um, so I think that's, it's pretty neat that way. I like that game a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've talked about recently is I got my wife into Lords of Waterdeep. So I've introduced her to um, worker placement games, which she had never played before. And she's, she's pretty much open right. to anything. She's done miniature games. She'll play any sort of board game, but she's really taken a liking to um, Lords of Waterdeep. And I'm like, yes. I can get her now into some maybe some medium to possible heavy euros possibly coming up, which is kind of some of the games I like to play every now and then. I, can, I don't want, I don't play them all the time, but every now and then I like to just play a good brain burner, you know. And so I'm I'm like I'm hoping you know after she gets some Lords of Waterdeep under her belt, you know, yeah, let's throw in Viticulture or something. Maybe I can get that as hey, we need to buy this game. <laughs> right, right, yeah, I like it. Uh, I, I would just like to point out to the listeners that there's a cat next to the host right now, or keeps popping in and out of the sh- out of the frame. I wasn't going to uh, say anything. We're on video with each other. I wasn't. I wasn't uh, going to say. Some sort of green screen. I wasn't going to say. Some sort of green screen. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. No, it's that's, fine. My cat was actually ramming his head into me earlier, so that's all that's good. one of that's <clears> one of my three cats. <laughs> I like it. So your Kickstarter. All right. Your Kickstarter. Um, you yes. guys are possibly coming out with a Kickstarter in August. Yeah, we were hoping for tomorrow, actually, or this uh, earlier. We we're planning this Friday. Um, so I just started a new job, and they were very like I was well, planning on going to John. And... Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, it was. It's I. Uh, I love it. I love the job so far. It's. Um, Quite possibly the steepest learning curve I've ever been on for working somewhere, oh, wow. um, and I like, uh, like it for like the first week I was like, oh man, what am I doing? And then everybody came and pep talked me in my department. They're like, yep, we know this is tough, just just bear with it, and um, you're gonna, you know, we're patient. We know what's going on. We've all been there. Just get through it, and, and you're gonna like this job. And um, yeah, even even once I said that, I was like, yeah, this is great. I'm having a lot of fun here. Um, but anyway, so they, uh, I, I'm contracting there, and then they're, you know, presumably they're going to hire me down the road. Um, and I, you know, I was like, I hate to say it, I hate to do this during the interview, but I am planning on being gone for Gen Con. And they're like, yeah, no problem. Um, and so um, we had talked about with Kyle uh, Holden, or Matt Holden, excuse me, um, who's the leader of the Independent Game Alliance, that he suggested that we, he kind of help us do some, um, promotion leading into Gen Con and we start the Kickstarter before Gen Con. So we would get, we have a, we have a pretty good following in a bunch of different uh, social media and we'd kind of start the campaign, um, you know, get that, get that good initial hit. And then I could go to Gen Con and, and um, kind of drum up uh, like a second wave of backers. Um, unfortunately that we just, you know, there's just been some delays and me with me switching the job and um, that's just been, 
um, eating up a lot of time. So it looks like we're going to have to start a little bit after Gen Con, unfortunately. So, um, so yeah, we'll be doing that. And I'll still be at Gen Con driving up backers, you know, as best as I can. And uh, it looks like we're, we're talking about August 14th right now. Now, do you guys have a table at Gen Con or will you kind of just be wandering the floor? Um, I will be wandering the floor. If people would like to uh, get a demo of the game, I would be happy to meet them in the, um, there's like a open gaming area library that you have to, you do have to pay to get into. I've done play tests in there before. I'm pretty comfortable doing that. Um, I will be at the IGA table for a couple hours. I can set, I can shoot you an email with the hours um, that I'll be there. Um, but if people, honestly, if people just contact me on BoardGameGeek or on Twitter, um, we can put that contact information in an email too. Um, I'll be happy to reserve a time for them and come and meet them wherever they want and play a game of uh, Trove with them. Uh, it'll take probably about 90 minutes. I'm, um, I've put together kind of a flyer to help people through their first game, um, and they can take that with them. That'll be like a, a, a treat for coming to the demo, and uh, that's, what, that's what I like to do, kind of see how that goes at Gen Con. <laughs> cool. That sounds fun. Now, yeah. did you guys have you guys been to any other conferences this year, or do you have any other ones besides Gen Con that you're planning on going to during the Oh, year? yeah. I, I'm, I've been terrible about because I uh, once I'm designing and I'm um, I'm really bad about thinking about other things, um, <laughs> business related. Uh, and I honestly like I would like that us pushing it out in May. I was like, oh yeah, I have like, these other people I need to talk to. Um, but uh, no, I've been I've been really bad about planning um, planning to go to any further conferences. I went to Convergence, which is a local convention, a couple weeks ago, um, and did two games there. Um, one with um, a guy who writes for the there's a like a zine here that does just um, sci-fi and fantasy like sort of geek culture stuff and so they they published an article about it um, but yeah it was just it was just two short demos and then I uh, two short demos one of the games turned out to be very long it was because we were trying one of the, the fifth rolls and it ended up kind of <laughs> screwing up the game um, so that wasn't that wasn't a good scene but um, no but we had two good games <laughs> so uh, but yeah after. I should start looking forward. I think it's a little bit too late to, for BGGCon even because I think that's all full already. But um, we'll, uh, we'll we'll keep looking. Cool. Mm -hmm. Now, when you guys do your Kickstarters, are there any maybe stretch goals you'd kind of like to throw out to people that you're possibly thinking about doing? Or are you guys just doing a straight? Yeah. Yeah. I actually um, I started a discussion about this on BGG. For those of you who have been following the game, there's a work in progress thread, which is the thing that first attracted me to the game. Um, there's 513 posts on it as of today, I believe, because um, it just kept going and going and going. Um, I'm going to double check that. It might be 512. Don't, don't, nobody quote me on that. Um, I, I think there's quite a few because so I think I was skimming through some of those. <laughs> 514 as of today. Um, and uh, so on like page 18 or 19, I start a conversation about what people would like to see in the campaign. Uh, and that was actually really eye-opening and very interesting to me. Um, I had talked about just doing sort of extras, like having a nice cloth bag to draw the omen tiles for the cave out of, and um, like little wooden treasure chests for the for the treasure troves you can find in the game, and things like that. And I also talked about um, doing alternate roles. So maybe like for instance, one I've been working on is instead of having just the knight, it's the elf knight. And the Elf Knight has a deck of spells she can cast spells from. She's a little bit weaker fighter than the than the true knight, the pure knight. Um, and so, like, it would create kind of a different gameplay experience for players that are getting bored of the knight. Um, which actually, um, since the knight's kind of the simplest role, I think for an advanced group of people, that might be something that they want to have anyway on hand to kind of switch in to make the knight's game a little bit um, deeper. Um, so we've been talking about doing those. I have um, three nights I have notes for, and I'm going to start playtesting pretty soon. Uh, and then we also talked about just having fifth rolls as stretch goals. Uh, so we put the ghoul or the thief in. And um, and so like there's been some people are like, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's do that. And But what really surprised me was a lot of people said, I, we don't want that. We just want the base game. And we like that stuff. We want that stuff. But we feel that it would put the project at risk to do that sort of thing, and especially with something that's so hard to balance. Um, so we'd rather you just focus on the core gameplay and get the core gameplay done. 
Um, and so that's that's been interesting. I've been kind of deciding what I want to do with that. I think I still want to offer one of each of those things anyway, if the if the project goes on long enough. Uh, we'd also talked about miniatures, um, which at this point I think is just too risky to do um, from a business perspective. I think once maybe down the road I could do a package of miniatures just for the game that would be yeah. separately um, and do and and take less risk that way. But I think mixing the two. Uh, for being such a large project and being my second project through Kickstarter, I, I it's just not a level of risk I want to deal with. So, but yeah, I think we'll we're putting we're building some stretch goals for some nice um, just amenity sort of things like different pieces and better looking pieces, um, and then I'll probably do one or two alternate roles and and maybe at the far end I'll do the fifth player stretch, like the fifth player as a stretch goal. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you with the with the miniatures and the in the risk involved in that. That's probably a great idea mm -hmm. to probably hold off on doing that. I would I agree with that one hundred percent. I think that's that's very smart on your part for you know for thinking like that. Right. Now is now do you guys have the the price set for what the game's going to go, what you're going to put up the yeah. Kickstarter for? Yeah, we're going to put it out on the Kickstarter for forty five dollars, um, and I don't believe that will be the retail price. Uh, I think the retail price will have to be a little bit higher than that. Um, so I think it's you know that's. I don't want to like. I hate early bird um, pricing, and so. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's a nice way to say, yeah, thank you for coming out and supporting us. Is to you know, it'll be five bucks less than the retail version or whatever we end up with. Um, I you know, I think forty five is a good price for what for the amount of material that we're offering. Um, like just if you just get a carcass own set, which is well the same sort of tiles in, that's thirty six bucks, and that's just right. tiles and a few, so. Um, we're, and we're adding cards and pieces on top of that, so I think that'll be a pretty good value for people. <clears throat> yeah, that, so. I, I think that's a perfectly reasonable price for, for from what yeah. I've seen from, from from you know some of the for some of the some of the prototyping and stuff like that. So, right, cool. I'm amazed people are building their own at home. That to me, calling this print and play is just. I I mean, I would, I probably would never do it. I would <laughs> because I enjoy the game, but if I didn't know anything about the game. If it came in cold, I'd be like, "Whoa, that's a that's a steep amount of material to have to prepare to play this game." So I'm in. I'm really, all of you out there, all the fans out there listening, uh, if you've made your own set, I, my hat is off to you. <laughs> I was. I was. I know what it's like. I've had to do it dozens of times. <laughs> I was explaining the print and play to my wife earlier because she had never really heard of that and she wasn't familiar with that term. And so I started explaining it to her, and she was like, "Whoa!" She goes, "That sounds crazy." I go, "Yes." I go, "That takes." Yeah. I go, "That's." If you want to play something, that's you can always do that. <laughs> yeah, and my uh, my game route Z is also print and play, and uh, and point, the point of the contest was to get the components to down to eight pages or less. Um, so there was kind of a there was kind of a it was like you had to like be economical when you're building the when you're building the game, and um, you know obviously for this one I, I didn't have that limitation, so it's been interesting to to break free of that. So. <clears throat> Cool. All right. Well, I have gone through all of my questions. Is there anything else that you kind of want to that you can think of that you really want to say? Or you mentioned BGG. Yeah. What's, your, what's your name? What's your B? What's your BGG name? On you know what's your name on BGG? Oh, I am. I am Green M. Let me double check that real quick. Yep, that's what I am. Green. Just the, just the word green with an M at the end. Uh, and then you can follow me on Twitter. I'm uh, you know Leader Games on Twitter. Um, and we do have a mailing list that I sporadically mail to for the game. You can sign up for the mailing list on thisistrove.com. Cool. Yeah, I and I. So what I would like to add is I'd really like to thank um, once again. I, I last interview I kind of hit this that I'd really like to thank um, Alexandra Cannon who's doing our copy editing. Uh, she's been great. I I um, during playtesting. For a lot of people, there's this experience where you start to hate your own game, and it's you know it's it's it becomes work, and it's you think you get into game design thinking it's going to be fun, and there is a point where you cross over and you're like this is a lot of work, and this project definitely is a lot of work, but I still have a lot of fun playing the game, and so I like even when we said we're done with the design until after the Kickstarter, we've still been playing it for fun. And and that's that's very telling to me about how how good this game is going to be. Um, and Alexandra has been rewriting the copy for me, and she got to a point where I, I wrote back to her and I said, "I've played this game maybe hundred, maybe two hundred times, and you're making me want to play the game more." 
like with your copy editing. So I really appreciate your efforts. Um, I'm also a terrible person for like finishing things. And so like, I really appreciate her coming in and help me finish writing the rules. At some point, the rules just become a big block of letters to you and you don't care about them anymore. And, um, and it's, I, maybe I'm saying something horrible to people, uh, just listening uh, about game design, but, um, you just look at something for months and months and months and, it, and it's hard to read it as a new thing. And she's really come in and given us a fresh look at the, uh, at the game. Um, David, obviously we have to thank, uh, for coming up with the game. He's been coming back and helping me with marketing help. Uh, he's been doing, he did kind of the design for the layout, um, and then left that to go to my, um, the guy doing my layout. Um, and he's been doing a phenomenal job uh, with that. I think the game is very visually, much more visually appealing now. Um, and the marketing help, of course, is helpful. And the design help has been helpful. Um, I need to get that man a set because he hasn't actually played the modern <laughs> game yet. So, um, so to, to play it. And then um, Kyle Farron, the artist um, whom we found, he found, David found Kyle Farron. Uh, he's been incredible. I uh, like. I very vaguely described I wanted something that looked like the Atari game adventure and Gauntlet and a couple other games visually. And um, he's taken that in his own style and kind of made something that I think is really unique and I think people will really enjoy. Um, every time he's sent us images, we've just been just been floored by how good how good the art looks. And I've seen the cover. I haven't, haven't revealed it yet, um, but it is fantastic. Everyone that looks at it is just like, wow. I, that would if I saw the game on the shelf, I would totally buy that game. So and and just from the cover, so um, I'm really happy with that. And then uh, my brother Topher McCulloch just jumped back into the project, and he'll be doing he'll be helping us with the layout. And I'm really appreciative that he's here to help us. And then uh, you know just a shout out to all the people that have been uh, helping us, printing out their own sets, playing the game, commenting, talking to us about the rules. Um, it's been it's been a great help. So I really appreciate them. Great. Yeah, it, it, from from what I could tell in BGG, it looks like you guys have a pretty big following. So I have a feeling yeah. once, you, once you go live on Kickstarter, it's you're going to get a lot of support from the BGG community. I mean, because it sounds like you already have quite a few people playing the game already. Right. Yeah, and I've I've said a few times already. I don't think we'll. Um, I think we'll be fine getting the backers. Um, I think it's just now we're just trying to get the word to our wider audience. Um, I think we could get it to fun if I put it up tonight, um, but it, it it just be nice to be able to grab a larger audience um, before we before we get started. So, so that's kind of what we're aiming for. Cool. Well, hopefully you can then, get, uh, get some more people to play that at when you're at Gen Con. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, and then uh, one other plug: um, David and I are kind of building um, kind of like a, a Trovaverse, if you will. Uh, he has a better name for it, and I'm just blanking on it right now. Uh, and if anyone's listening and they think they have a game that would fit into that to uh, the model, or if they need someone to help them finish the game, which is you know kind of what I've been doing, um, I'd be happy to look at it while I'm at Gen Con, or um, you know just email me and I'll, I'll I'll talk to you about it. At the very least, I can provide you with some solid feedback on on how to how to design it. And yeah, please, if you're going to be at Gen Con, track me down and uh, I'll be happy to show you the game. Do you want to mention your email then, if you want people to send stuff to you? Oh yeah, uh, let me let me grab that. I actually have an email account just for Trove, TroveBoardGame at gmail.com. Perfect. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, we will call the interview done. Patrick, thank you very much for getting in touch with me. Don't go away. Yeah. We're gonna jump to the next segment of the show, everybody, and that will be the what I want to play now section of the show. Thanks for joining us for this interview and continue listening to the next part of the show. Okay, well, hopefully everybody enjoyed the interview that I had with Patrick. I thought it was a really great interview. We had a very good conversation. We talked about a lot of different things. I'm really looking forward to Trove the Crystal Caverns. I think some of the ideas that they've come up with for this game in regards to the dragon and some of the movement just sounds really interesting. And from what I've seen about some of the art style on, on their page on uh, Board Game Geek, I think the art style for the game looks pretty cool as well. So I'm actually looking forward to this game hitting Kickstarter and and hopefully they have a lot of success with that Kickstarter. All right, let's jump into what I want to play now, the last part of the show, and I was informed that tomorrow on Thursday for my board game group, I should be getting in a game of Broom Service, which I'm really looking forward to. That's been one of the games that's on the top of my want to play list. One of my good friends that played it, I think last week, 
purchased it and this seems to be his new kind of hot game so he said he would be bringing it to Thursday night's board game meetup and I will probably be getting in a game of that. I was looking back on my wall at a couple of the games that I haven't had a chance to maybe play for a little while. I have an old version of Car Wars the Card Game. I'm going to have to maybe sit down this weekend and pull that out and see if I can teach my wife how to play it. I think we used we played that years ago, and we probably haven't played it since then. I also purchased an old game back when I used to work at the one game store years ago called Roadkill. I think it's an old Avalon Hill game. I wouldn't mind getting that to the, to the table as well, because it's been many years since I've played that one, and I'm kind of just in a car combat style of mood this week, and I think that would be kind of cool to play. But that is it as far as what I want to play now. Of course, there's always going to be viticulture and until i get viticulture played that's going to be on my want to play now list too even though i'm not even going to list it anymore because i've talked about that so much but that's going to be it for this week hey thanks for joining me i appreciate everybody listening and downloading the podcast if you want please give me some feedback and let me know how you like the show give some give me some feedback on itunes or send me some emails let me know what you're playing now you can send those to what i'm playing now at gmail.com also you can follow me on twitter at what i'm playing now as i always say don't forget to drop the g on facebook just do a search for what i'm playing now on Google Plus, it's plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And then on Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining me. Come back again next week for another week of what I'm playing now. And I'll talk about a lot more games. And who knows, maybe even have another interview for you guys. Thanks a lot for joining me. Have a good week, everybody, and take care. Bye bye.